to welcome those of you joining us today online. I'm so excited about this service today because we will be concluding our study of a letter written by Jesus' half-brother James. And uh, as we do so, we're going to be offering prayers of healing at the end of my message because that's what this part of his letter is about. And so I want to ask you to do something to get ready for this message. If there is somebody who would like to receive a prayer for healing at the end of my message, I want to ask that you would go ahead and get some oil, uh, some either some like olive oil or vegetable oil, something like that. And I'll explain a little bit later why and how we will use that oil. So if you've been with us in the study, you would remember that James writes to believers, to followers of Jesus who are facing trying times in their lives. And under the pressure of these trying times, what was in them was coming out of them. And some of what came out of them was not real pleasant. They were having some relational conflict. They didn't always treat each other well. And James, you know, boldly confronted any inappropriate behaviors within uh, that church. But now he wants to end his letter by inspiring them to rise up in a new way. And James, in this part of his letter, Uh, calls for these believers to rise up by kneeling down and praying for one another. And by calling these believers to pray for one another, he shows them the path to pursue unity, relational unity, where there may have been conflict or division. Because when you pray for one another, how many of you know it's hard to stay mad at someone when you're praying for that person? And so James is showing us a path to pursue unity with each other by praying for one another. And so we're going to study what James says uh, about praying for each other, specifically prayers of healing. And then we're going to practice what he teaches us in just a few moments. Now, let me acknowledge that if you're new to church and you're still not sure yet what you think about God and Jesus and Christianity and all. You may certainly not be sure what you think about miracles and healing and all of that. Let me just say, I get it. Uh, I want you to know you're welcome here no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. You're welcome to explore our faith in Jesus. I do want you to know that one aspect of our faith in Jesus is our belief in prayers of healing. And so we're going to be unpacking a certain part of the Christian scriptures that explains uh, why and how uh, we pursue prayers of healing in our lives. Now, there may be others of you who are believers. You've been coming to church for a while, but if you could be honest, you would admit, maybe acknowledge that you're a little bit skeptical when it comes to miracles and healing. I mean, you believe in Jesus and all of that, but maybe you're a little bit skeptical yourself about prayers of healing. And let me just acknowledge that that's been true of me in my own spiritual journey. I mean, I was a believer in Jesus. I was actually a pastor early in my ministry. And if I could be honest with you, though I theologically believed in healing and the stories about healing in the scriptures, I didn't practically believe it really happened much anymore. And so I didn't uh, pursue it. I didn't ask for healing. But the more I read through the four books in the Christian scriptures that unpack the story of Jesus' life and ministry, the more I noticed how often Jesus expressed God's love and compassion through his powerful healing ministry. And Jesus inspired me as as I looked at his intense desire to relieve people, 
here and now on the earth from pain and suffering. And so uh, I was forced to wrestle with my own beliefs about miracles and healing. And my own belief in miracles and healing became very personal to me just a few years ago. You see, in October of 2012, my mother was diagnosed uh, with stage four cancer. And if you're not familiar with the stages, that's the worst stage, because that means that her cancer had spread from, in this case, her colon to another uh, part of her body. And so uh, my mom went through a very painful and challenging surgery to remove the cancer from her colon. uh, And then uh, the, the cancer had spread to her liver. And so she underwent some chemotherapy treatments to try to shrink that tumor in her liver. And when they got it down small enough, she got pretty weak. They they felt like they needed to do the surgery. They went in and did another risky and painful surgery to remove the tumor from her liver. And it was successful. And then they gave her uh, three months of very intense chemotherapy treatments. They were so brutal. My mother became a shell of the person she was. Well, after the end of that three months, she went in and got tests to see uh, if she still had cancer. And her colon cancer, despite all of the aggressive treatments, had spread to her lung. And so mom went in for one more painful surgery, had half of her lung removed. When she came out of a surgery, she had already made a decision. And she uh, told me and my family that she was not going to go through any more surgeries. She was not going to go through any more treatments. Uh, Her quality of life was just not worth it to her. And and I did understand it, seeing all the pain she was going through. And so from that point, which was in June of 2013, my mother received no more treatments at all for her cancer. And so the way I was thinking about it is with the most aggressive treatment possible, uh, this colon cancer continued to spread throughout my mother's body. Without any treatment at all, Just to be honest, I prepared myself for the worst. The only thing we did for my mother from June through November uh, that year was to pray for her. We did meet with our family physician and we talked about what might happen, talked about hospice care and all of that. Well, one month turned into two, turned into three. When she finally went in to have tests done uh, to see uh, what had happened with her cancer in November, My mom told me that the oncologist came into his office and she said he was just shaking his head. He said, I don't understand this. I can't explain it, but you have no cancer anywhere in your body. And when my dad told me that, I literally jumped for joy. And my mom now uh, is seven years, over seven years, cancer-free. And my mom still is a, a part of City Church. She watches online. And so I just want to say, hey, mom, love you. Uh, <laughs> so grateful to have you these seven years. And, and what I want to say to those of you watching is I do believe God can and does heal today. Do you believe God heals today? Do you believe God can heal you? Do you believe God can heal others through your prayers? City Church, A part of rising up, especially during times like these, is by kneeling down and praying for each other, especially when we suffer physically. So let's look at what James teaches us about pursuing prayers of healing for the sick. You ready? This is James chapter 5, 
verse 13, where James writes, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. So that's where the oil is going to come in, in the name of the Lord. So in this part of the letter, James transitions from talking uh, to people about how to face suffering in general in life, which is what we looked at last week. And now he's focusing his attention on how to face suffering that is related to a physical illness of some kind. And I want to make several observations about uh, what James teaches here. First, did you notice who initiates the healing process? Because what James is teaching us here is a pathway to pursue healing when we are sick. The person who initiates the healing process is the person who is sick. You see, when the person who has an illness or a physical ailment of some kind initiates asking for prayers of healing, that's an expression of that person's faith, believing that God can and might heal that person. The second thing I want us to note is that James encourages those who are sick to call upon the elders to pray over them. So the elders were simply the leaders within that local church body. And so here at City Church, I have my pastors ready to pray with you. I have our prayer team. These are the people we have trained and uh, and, uh, empowered to be a people who represent us like elders praying over the sick and they're going to be available to pray with you in a few moments when we offer prayers of healing. Then James uh, tells them, those who are sick, he tells the elders to anoint the sick with oil. Now in biblical times when you anointed someone with oil, that was a symbol of God's presence in their lives. And by anointing someone with oil, you, you were, it was almost like a prayer. You're saying, Lord, Lord God, I'm placing this person into your care, into your hands, and I'm asking you to show your compassion on this person. And then finally, James says to anoint the person and pray for the person who is sick in the name of the Lord. Okay, so what's that all about? Well, when, when someone gives you authority to use their name, that means you have access to their stuff. So let, let me see if I can give you an analogy. So if I wrote you a check, like say from my bank account, if I wrote you a check and then I sign my name on the check by signing my name, by I give you authority to use my name to go to my bank and get some of my money. Now, there's not very much in there right now, but you you get what I'm talking about. When someone gives you the authority of their name, they're giving you authority to access their stuff. So what does uh, using Jesus' name, and that's what uh, James is talking about here, what does using Jesus' name have to do with praying uh, for the sick? Well, I want you to check out this promise that Jesus makes shortly before he leaves the earth. This is John chapter 14, verse 12. And he's speaking only to his believers, to his followers. He says this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name. See the, see the name? He's giving us authority of his name. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. 
Now, who did Jesus say has authority to use his name? Did you catch it? He said, whoever believes. Are you a whoever? And what did he tell us we could do with the authority of his name? He said that we could ask for great things, for even greater things. And in this context, he is talking about miracles. And he's giving us permission to use his name to ask God to perform miracles among us. And James encourages us to use Jesus' name to ask, uh, ask for these kinds of miracles in a certain way with a certain kind of prayer. And, and that's where he continues in the next verse. This is James 5.15. And James writes, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Jesus said, uh, James says that it takes a prayer of faith to make the sick person well. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's be, be clear what it does mean and what it does not mean. When James says that there's a certain kind of prayer that's called the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith does not mean that you deny actual symptoms and pain that you have. There's a teaching that goes out there that, that says that if you have a sickness or a pain, you should just act like you don't have it. That's ridiculous. Jesus never asked anyone to deny genuine symptoms or pain that they have. And the prayer of faith does not mean not getting medical attention. There's other people who have taught that, well, if you go see a doctor, that's a sign that you don't have faith. And again, that's ridiculous. A key part of pursuing healing is to get medical uh, attention. In fact, look at my mom's own story. There was a certain part of my mom's story where there's a part of her healing that medical professionals brought, which were the surgeries. But then there was this other part that only God could do. And I'm so grateful that God did his part in bringing healing into her life. And the same is true for us. The prayer of faith means having a childlike faith in the person and power of Jesus to heal. And it means trusting him no matter what he does. You see, he may not choose to respond to our prayer of faith by giving a healing. And in that case, we, we, we may need to respond to our suffering by doing what Pastor John taught us last week, which is not giving up and persevering with patience. But Jesus may also respond to our prayer of faith by speaking the words, be healed in my name. And in that case, we receive it in faith. Both responses require faith on our part. That is what the prayer of faith is all about. But the prayer of faith does involve us risking to ask for healing. And so a couple of years ago, we had a service right here in the auditorium. And I taught these same principles about prayers of healing. And one of the women who were sitting, in fact, she was sitting right over there. I remember her uh, during the service. Uh, she let us know about uh, healing that she experienced right here in this property. And she sent me her email. I asked her to share her story with me. And she sent me an email and gave me permission to share her story. These are her words. Her name is Cindy. She writes, hello, my name is Cindy, and I'm a regular attender of City Church. I wanted to share with you my healing experience. Two months prior to your message on healing, I had a lot of abnormal bleeding and pain, and, since, uh, and it was in her abdomen. And since I am a medical professional, I quickly recognized these as symptoms of ovarian or cervical cancer. I decided to go to your healing service before I began my treatment. When you started your message on miracles that Jesus had performed, the first miracle you brought up 
was that of the bleeding woman who touched Jesus' robe and how she was healed when she touched his robe. I started to tremble in my seat and I started crying. I received what you were saying. And after the message, a member of the prayer team prayed for me. I instantly felt no more pain. I went home and realized that the abnormal bleeding and pain that I had had for over two months had instantly stopped and I have not bled abnormally since. Isn't that awesome? You see, Cindy risked asking for healing in Jesus' name. She heard a story about another person who was healed by Jesus' power and she risked asking for healing herself. Will you risk asking for healing in Jesus' name? Now, next, James addresses a certain physical issues that can have actually a spiritual root cause. And so let's, let's go back to James 5.15 where James writes, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. That's the verse we just looked at, but it continues. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So what's this talking about here? It's evident that what James is saying is that there, there can be two different kinds of root causes to genuine physical pain, suffering, and illness. There obviously can be just a biological cause where there's, there's nothing behind it other than a biological cause, but here he also surfaces the potential that the root cause could be something spiritual or inner. And, and what he shows us is that if that's the case, a part of pursuing healing means you have to get healing in your spirit. In this case, he talks about some sin that needs to be confessed as a part of pursuing healing. And so I want to make sure that everybody uh, is clear on what, uh, what James is saying here. He's not saying that if you have some illness of some kind or some pain of some kind, it's probably because you have sin. Not all uh, illness or sickness or pain is because of sin. In fact, most of it is not because of sin. But what he is saying is that sometimes the root cause can be spiritual. And you see, what James is showing us is we're, we're one person. Our spirit, our souls, and our bodies, they're all interconnected. And if there's something not right in our spiritual life, it can at times manifest in our physical life. And so pursuing physical healing may need to begin with our spirits to get our spirits right and to confess some kind of sin that may, that may be the root cause of what's going on in our body. And this is just what happened to a friend of mine in the West African nation of Liberia a few years ago. Many of y'all know our church supports a, a nonprofit organization bringing holistic uh, help uh, to our friends in Liberia, which is a very impoverished nation in West Africa. Anyway, as a part of what we do to serve the people there, we uh, provide pastor's training and pastor's conference, conferences for pastors and their spouses. Anyway, one of those trainings, uh, we do offer prayers for the pastors and for their spouses. And one of the wives of one of the pastors came and asked for uh, prayers of healing. She told one of our female team, uh, team members that she had been married for three years and had been unable to get pregnant. And so she asked for prayers of healing. Well, our female team member decided to ask some prodding questions before she prayed for uh, this woman, and her name is Lydia. And Lydia told her part of her story. She said that when she was a teenage girl, she was raped, and she became pregnant because of the rape. 
And she admitted to our team member that uh, from the time that her son was born, she hated him because of all of the pain she had experienced. Because not only did she go through the horrible experience of the rape, but when her father found out, he didn't believe that she was raped and he kicked her out of the house. And so for 14 years, she had stored up hatred in her heart for her own son. And so our team member uh, led her, she, she recognized that it wasn't right and led her to pray prayers of confession. And that's what James is talking about here. Prayers of confession, getting her heart right with God, admitting that it was wrong for her to hold on to her ha to hatred toward her son. And then she challenged Lydia to go home and to make things right with her son. And so that night Lydia went home and got on her knees and confessed her sins to her son and asked for his forgiveness. And she told us that her son ran up to her and, and hugged her and forgave her. And for the first time, think about this, for the first time in their 14-year relationship, they each one said to the other, I love you. And the next day, Lydia came back and told us the story and we were so grateful. And the story, that story, that, story that, that ending would be beautiful enough. But we came back one year later, 12 months later, and Lydia came to our hotel where we were staying. And guess what she did? She introduced us to her two-month-old daughter, Natasha. And so if you figure out the numbers, that means she, Lydia got pregnant the month after she confessed her sin. You see, there was a spiritual root cause behind the physical problem she was facing. And she needed to confess her sin as a part of pursuing healing in her body. And so if you're not sure if what you're experiencing could be the result of sin, I encourage you to pray. Maybe pray with a trusted advisor or mentor or even one of our pastors and just ask the Lord, is there anything I need to, to, to get right in my heart? Anything I need to confess? Because that may be a part of pursuing healing. But above all, risk asking. Risk pursuing healing in Jesus' name. And then at this point, James concludes this portion of his letter by talking about a certain kind of prayer that gets results. This is James 5, the last part of verse 16, where he says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so James says the kind of prayer that is powerful and effective, in other words, it gets results, is earnest praying. Now, many of you know that the uh, Christian scriptures are written in the Greek language. And the, the Greek word translated earnest there is the word energumeno, which uh, is where we get our English word energized. And this is so significant. Here James is saying there's a kind of energized kind of prayer that actually gets results. James is not talking about some kind of solemn, emotionless kind of praying. He's talking about the kind of prayer that believes God can and will do something and desperately and passionately and with energy calls out to God in Jesus' name and risks asking. And City Church, I think this is such an important part of what we're called to do, not just during these trying times, but during all times. A part of rising up is risking asking for great things in Jesus' name with passion and energy. 
And so before we offer prayers of healing, I want to just give two words of guidance and wisdom as we become a praying church, a, a church that really calls out passionately and with energy in Jesus' name. The first word of wisdom I want to give is I think it's important to rise up and risk asking for great things despite the mystery of healing. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, what I have found, not only in my experience, but in the Christian scriptures, is that uh, once the church movement began, sometimes God healed people and sometimes he did not. Sometimes uh, those first believers got a miracle, sometimes they did not. And the why is just sometimes a mystery. So let me give you an example. So uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the Christian scriptures, was a man who experienced a miracle at the very beginning of his faith journey with Jesus. Uh, he was temporarily blinded, but a man named Ananias came and prayed for him, and he was immediately healed of his blindness. And Paul himself became a man who performed powerful miracles, prayed for many people to be healed. He even raised a dead person. But there were, there were times in his own life where he couldn't get healed. In fact, he writes about a time, uh, about a physical ailment that he had that he asked for healing for three different times. And he said, God responded by saying, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, he said, God said, no, I'm not gonna heal you of this. And Paul was at peace with that. There was another time that Paul was traveling and he had to leave one of his traveling team members sick in the city called Miletus. I mean, how come he could heal the sick in one city but had to leave a team member sick in another? And then he writes in one of his letters to his young protege, Timothy, and he says, uh, Timothy, I want you to drink some wine for your frequent stomach ailments. Now, can I just say, how many times does your pastor say, drink more wine? And isn't it interesting that his young protege, Timothy, had frequent stomach ailments. And here's my point in recounting Paul's experiences of healing. Sometimes Paul experienced the miracle of healing and sometimes he did not. And he was okay with it. He was okay with the mystery of healing. Now, you remember earlier I, I told you about my mom's, uh, I believe, miraculous healing from stage four cancer. Well, after my mom was healed, we had a, another person within City Church who also was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And uh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he's, he's a member on the prayer team for years here at City Church. And so we prayed for him. I personally prayed for him numerous times, asking God to heal his body of his illness. But unfortunately, this past year, my friend passed away. Why did God heal my mother? but not heal my friend? I don't know. It's a mystery. But for the sake of those who are going to be healed, I want you to know here at City Church, we will risk asking for prayers of healing. And as I've tried to grow in my own understanding of, of the healing ministry of Jesus for today, uh, I have to admit, I still feel like I'm a novice at it. I'm still learning about it. I, I met with one of my spiritual mentors uh, here in San Antonio, and just asked his advice to help me understand more about uh, Jesus' healing ministry within the church. We had a great time just hearing his stories about what he's been learning. And he pointed out something that I, th I thought was so interesting that you see in the scriptures. He, he told me, he said, Brent, one of the things that he has learned is how most of the healing uh, that Jesus did were for non-life-threatening physical issues. 
And he said, you know, most of the time when people come to, to Jesus for healing, it's because they're afraid because of some life-threatening issue, like my mom's stage four cancer. But he said, if you go back and look, most of the healing that Jesus did in his day was simply to relieve people's suffering and pain in this life today. I mean, Jesus healed the blind, the lame, the mute, the deaf. He healed people who had uh, uncontrolled bleeding. He healed uh, people with fevers. He healed people with leprosy, none of which were life-threatening issues. And my, my friend's point was, a part of Jesus' ministry of bringing healing was to relieve people's pain and suffering in this day and in this life, even if it was not life-threatening. And that's, so that's the second word of wisdom I have for us as a church, as we become a people who rise up by kneeling down. And that is, it's important to rise up and risk asking for healing from all kinds of pain and suffering. Pain is pain. Suffering is suffering. And even if your pain and your suffering is not life-threatening, it is still significant enough to risk asking for healing. You see, I'm concerned that some of you are, have just tolerated your pain. You're just living with your pain. You have never thought of asking God to heal you. And I want to encourage you to risk asking for God to heal you of your pain and of your suffering. In that setting, I, my friend gave me an example of someone who got healed of his pain and suffering in his church. He told me this guy uh, who attends his church is a crane operator, and he had a severe injury uh, at uh, work, and he injured his elbow, and it left a, a bunch of bone spurs and, and pieces of bone in his elbow, and it, it, it was so painful, and it made his arm so weak, he could not keep working. So he had been out of work for several months. And so, uh, uh, in fact, he couldn't even lift up his arm to pull himself into the crane, and he couldn't pull the levers it takes to uh, maneuver the crane. Well, my, my friend's church was having a service like we, we have here periodically, a, a service on uh, healing, and they were going to offer prayers of healing. And the crane operator, I appreciated his honesty. He, he told my friend, he said, you know, I'm really skeptical about all this miracle stuff and all this prayers of healing stuff. But his pain was enough that it motivated him to risk asking. And so at the end of the service, when they were offering prayers of healing, uh, my friend told me the crane operator got up and he stood in line holding his elbow. And the crane operator uh, told my friend that while he was standing in line, he felt a tingling sensation go up and down, up and down his arm. And he realized something has happened. So he didn't even go for it and ask for any more prayer. He went home and the next day he got up and his arm was completely healed. He had full strength, full mobility and no pain. And my friend told me, I wish you could have seen the smile on his face the next week when he came up and told me the story about his healing. You see, that crane operator had pain in his life and he risked asking for healing. And he received it. Will you? At this time, I'm going to offer prayers of healing for the sick. And so, uh, remember earlier, I asked you to get some oil. Now you understand why I asked you to get some oil. I think it's a part of, of expressing our faith in God's presence and power in our lives. And so, why don't you go ahead? If, if uh, you have someone there with you, 
If you want to receive prayers of healing, ask the person who is with you to just take a little bit of oil, put it on your thumb, and put it over your forehead as a symbol of God's presence and power. If you don't have someone there, if you're watching this by yourself and you want to receive a prayer of healing, just go ahead and anoint yourself. And then if you have a loved one there who is willing to do this, ask them to place their hands on you, on your shoulders, or on your head. Uh, and, and I'm going to lead you through prayers of healing here in just a moment. If you don't have someone, why don't you just uh, reach out and touch however you're watching uh, this uh, message, either touch your phone, the screen of your phone, or touch your computer or your TV. And let that be an expression of you in faith risking asking for healing. And so let, let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you sent your son to demonstrate your love and your power. And we believe in Jesus' miraculous healing ministry that it shows he is your son and it shows your love for us. And Lord God, he gave us permission to ask you for great things in his name. And so Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to heal. And I want you, wherever you are, speak the name of the person who needs healing. And if you're by, your, by yourself, just speak your own name. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask you to heal. We entrust our loved one into your hands. We ask you to restore health to the body. We ask you to stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles. We ask you to do today what you did when you were on the earth. We ask you to do greater things than even what you did on the earth. We ask you to heal. We ask you to heal in Jesus' name. And we give you glory and praise, however you choose to respond. Lord, we believe in you. We follow you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.